Greetings and humble salutations, scholars, and welcome to another episode of the College Corner Podcast. Today, I am blessed to be here with Ellen Nestier as we dive into the conversation of a positive mindset while you're in college. So I'm going to offer this opportunity to let Ellen introduce yourself. How are you doing today, Ellen? I am doing great. Very excited to be here. So thank you. I'm excited for you to be here as well. (laughs) So we're just going to open up and I want you to be able to share your name, your title, and the institution that you may work for right now. Well, I'm self-employed, so I work for myself. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. I could be a tough boss, but um, I have my own business. I've been self-employed in various capacities for the past 30 years. So very entrepreneurial. Amazing. Yeah, so I'm just excited to be here. And my company is Innovative Team Solutions. So my parents are also entrepreneurs. So I already know that world where, you know, I'm my own boss. I make my own schedule. And honestly, people think that it sounds amazing, but it takes a lot of discipline. So I'm honestly ready to hear more about that discipline and what you bring to the table. So our next question, how long have you been working? Well, you kind of just explained that, but can you really give us a broad overall explanation of the your experience with having your own job and and owning your own business i guess the one thing i want to say is especially for college students you go to college and you get your degree and just to know that there's a lot of avenues out there that you take what your experience from your degree and you move on i my degree is i have my master's in teaching the hearing impaired so i started out elementary education then i went to hearing impaired Then I stopped for a while because I opened Tampa, in Tampa, Florida, the first bagel shop, learned how to make bagels and was baking bagels at two in the morning. I owned a laundromat. I, very eclectic. So you can do a lot of different things. And then I was in sales and marketing, no background in that whatsoever. Got it for 20 years. And then I heard about this new fangled business or, new section um i'm stumbling uh a new profession i would say Mm. of coaching and just started calling different people from the internet had no idea that this was back in 2003 i think it was even before google because it were whatever but started calling people and just decided to go by myself to an international conference in denver and fell in love with it And that was the history of how I came into coaching and doing what I'm doing. So really, I'm coming full circle back into also teaching and training. So life takes different different sideways of what you may think when you're in your 20s starting out. And I think that was so impactful for our audience to hear because in the day and age of social media and growing and developing yourself with social media, so many of our scholars feel like, oh, whatever career I choose, whatever choice I've made, that's who I am. But no, life is all about trying on different hats, trying new things, new experiences and opportunities. So that was very encouraging even for myself to hear because I think I'm going to go own a laundromat. I like that. The other thing I will say is, especially in this day and age, you meet the most important people that you can start having conversations with when you're on a bus, when you're standing in line at the bookstore, when you're standing in line at the cafeteria line, by putting down your phone. And I know it's so hard, but that is something that is just so important because you never know 
who you're going to meet. When I was first starting out in sales and marketing, I was in TJ Maxx at just at the cashiers checking out and just started to have a conversation with someone. And she she worked at a bank and she became one of my first clients for selling promotional goods too. So you never know, but everybody has their head down. And if you can just catch someone's eye, there's opportunities. That reminds me of something I learned um, from my care director when I was an undergrad. He will always say it's not about what you know, and it's not about who you know, but who knows you and remembers your name. So that's very important. It's always good to get your name out there, to have those real conversations and to make connections because that's what life is about. It's about bonding and learning from each other because we're way more alike than we are different. That's true. So for our next question, we all hear the term positive mindset, but what does it actually mean to you? Well, I want to be very clear what it's not. It's not okay. Pollyanna and it's not like, you know, ooh, everything is rosy and I have rose colored glasses. Rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you my husband always says it's not rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is it starts with who we are. So it starts with the messages that we give ourselves. Mm. And so many times, whether it's messages that we receive at home or messages that we received on the playground when we were little, it's how we take those into heart. And that really has a big impact on how we see ourselves and how we continue to grow and what, what credit and what power we give to that. So the positive mindset that I would say is when you can start to step back from some of the truths that you think about yourself mm. as you've been told is to start getting curious and figure out where did that come from? I mean, a real easy example for me is when I, to this day, I'm not great at sports because I don't have good eye hand coordination because I remember being in recess in kindergarten and being, you know, not being either wanting to be, have some, not being selected to be on a team mm -hmm. or, you know, I would do anything to get to the back of the line, you know, if we were up at bat or something, because I'd learned just through a couple of comments like, you know, oh, she, so you start to internalize these things. It's starting to look at it. It's one of the messages that you're giving yourself. I could have gone out and started to practice or asked someone to practice with me so I wasn't embarrassed in front of kids, but you know, you're five years old, you're impressionable. It's that part of staying in the present moment, not awfulizing things, not thinking things are the end of the world, um, catastrophizing, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Being positive also means realizing that things are going to happen in our lives. Just like with, with conflict, we need to learn how to be with conflict. And so many of us don't like conflict. It's also being able to handle and develop the muscle of resiliency so that we can stay in the present moment. We stay within our ability to be able to problem solve and move forward. But it's really looking at things as they are and not taking them so many steps further. It's also not ruminating. So 
it's understanding there's a, a great program that I even you know teach and is part of my programs on positive intelligence and anyone on the podcast can look that up www.positiveintelligence.com but it's learning how we all have saboteurs we all have I used to talk about it being a gremlin that sat on our shoulders or in you know it just crosses this wherever people get it in their stomach where they just kind of step back if we learn how to put it aside and then start to it's not just affirmations it's affirmations along with oh catching ourselves oh there i go again to really stay grounded i hope that answers you you took me on a journey there because it it, it even filled me with a lot of reassurance because one thing that I've learned over the years it's not always what's done to us or what someone has done to us but how we respond in that moment how we respond speaks on our character how we respond speaks on our mindset and where we are and I think a lot of people don't understand that they're always going off what someone has done to them or what the world has done to them but oftentimes it's how we didn't respond so I really like your response let me add one more thing it's also for many people, it's not the response in the moment, because then you can go back and go, oh, I should have said, or I wish I would have done this. It's knowing that you can always go back, or not, maybe not always, but if the opportunity, if you make the opportunity and the decision, I once heard a saying that I thought was great, that not making a decision to do something is making a decision. It's a decision. Yeah. So it's that piece of even if you're talking with someone and your response is an immediate, you know, we get triggered, you can always go, wait a minute, time out. Let me take that back. That's not exactly how I wanted to respond to that. Ask for a do over. It's okay. Especially when you are young. Yes. People want to mentor you, people will respect that. You know, I always, I, and I always told my kids this too, reach out to people because they will want to be able to help. And, and if somebody turns you down, I know I'm on a different subject, but if someone turns you down, <laughs> it's just not a meant to be, go find someone else who can help you and grow and learn that way. And trust me, you are still on subject because it flows naturally with our conversation because the next topic was kind of fine-tuning it for where college students are right now in their young adolescence. And a lot of those students are addressing some childhood issues that they've probably never had the time to address. They're trying to learn who they want to be in life. Some may even be having children. So that it's a very pivotal moment to address that mindset and where you are. Because like you said before, it's not always about being perfect or having the, the best reaction. It's about being able to come back and make amends and, you know, asking for forgiveness and, and also giving forgiveness. I think a lot of not having a positive mindset as well is holding on to so many things to our brain doesn't even have the opportunity to be happy or have some rainbows and unicorns because we're holding on to things from 1995. So, you know, absolutely. I, I, absolutely. I love your you're I love right on target. Yes. So next, when what are some self-care strategies you will recommend for you know, young adults, our college students who are in this stage of kind of figuring out and navigating who they are in life. There's a lot of things. Um, and I know they're always on their computer or their phones, but being able to up 
your emotional intelligence by being aware of mm -hmm. the impact that you have on other people as well as how you respond and how other people impact you. That took me a long time to figure out and learn. So the earlier someone learns that, the stronger they become because mm. you are not going to be one for everyone. So just mm. like no, not everyone is the one for us. Um, it's learning to develop self-confidence and you develop self-confidence again through your self-talk of what you tell yourself and putting yourself in situations to learn and grow. Right off the top, I would say one of the biggest things and I have people in their 40s and 50s and 60s who are doing this and I always say everything that I teach is if and people will say all the time if I had only learned this when I was in college or when I was younger but one of the things is having a journal and it could be any kind of a notebook anything it does not have to be fancy but it's taking that and dividing it in thirds so this is one of the biggest changes that you can make for yourself mm -hmm. that seems so hmm, it's kind of easier. I don't have time for that. It does. But a number one, setting a ritual. So you have a morning ritual and you have an evening ritual, something you do. And it doesn't have to be much. It could be three or four or five minutes in the morning and just something that it starts to clue your body. Oh, it's time to really wake up and or it's time to settle down, get ready for sleep rather than just falling dead into the bed. But the journal divided in three sections is the first section is a journal. It is not your diary of when you were in fifth grade and, you know, today I did so and so. The journal is really to capture your thoughts because sometimes when something happened that was upsetting or whatever, it's just great to have this place that you can vent it out. Research has shown if you do it um, with a pen or, you know, with a pen that you actually are handwriting it, it has more of an indentation, I don't know, for lack of a better word, more of an inroads into your brain. Mm -hmm. I agree. Keeping it, you know, on the computer. Sometimes people, though, would prefer to have it on the computer to keep it with a password and private mm -hmm. rather than a roommate getting, you know, whatever. That's the journal part. It doesn't mean you have to write in it every day. It could be part of your routine. The part that is really important is the second part that is a gratitude journal. And what that does is gets you gets your mind thinking of what am I really grateful today? And you start to look for, oh, that person held the door for me. Yeah. You know, it's a nice thing. It's somebody small thing. Or you went to Publix and you, yeah, the the person who checked you out just wasn't very, you know, looked like she was having a bad day and you, you got her to smile. That's a nice thing that you're grateful for that somebody saw you and you were able to improve their day. The part of the gratitude journal is there's a couple of rules to be really successful. Mm -hmm. One is it's different every day, you okay. know. You can't repeat consistently, I'm grateful that I'm in school, you know, whatever. It's every time is different and it's i'm grateful for filling it in whatever it is because it's important to me and saying why it's important to you 
because it brings it back and it gets more heart centered rather than I'm grateful for the beautiful flowers I have or the flowers I'm seeing. It's important to me because it honors my value of beauty around me and it made me notice something, you know, beautiful on a rainy day. That's the second part. The third part is really an important piece, which is your success journal. And a success journal is jotting down one or two lines of a great, you know, you studied really hard for an exam and you really did well on it. Doesn't mean you got an A. It just means you really feel good about it because you really spent the time. I remember someone saying during their finals week, I threw the remote on the other side of the room. <laughs> and like, good. <laughs> They were in their senior year. I would have thought that, you know, but it doesn't matter. They learned that they were going to throw the remote over. Those are successes. A, a professor says something that's really positive. You, whatever it is, your volunteer work and the family, whatever. A co- your roommate did the dishes. Well, that's not a, that's a grateful thing. That's not a <laughs> But the point no is, no one likes the, the dirty roommate. Yeah, the success journal is just to keep track, so that when you're having a really lousy day, which we all do, we can come back and you can reread all the different things, those things that brought a smile to your face that can make you relive it. That's threefold. One is when it happens. You know, you got your grade back. That feels really good. It buoys you up. Yeah. The second is that night or the next day you're writing about it. Short, just enough to make sure that you remember it later. That brings it up and buoys you up again. And then the third time could be two months or two years later when you are really t- having a tough time and you read through it and you go, oh yeah, you know, I did this. I was selected for this committee. I was, you know, the de- deputy whatever over here. So it it's a really nice way of keeping yourself motivated. Listen, I've been taking some notes on how to improve my journaling because I was first challenged to journal in undergrad. But like you said before, I was taking it as a dear diary. Everybody has me messed up today. Um, you know, I need to turn in this essay on time. Or it was stuff like that. But I have even looked back at my undergraduate journals and some of the things that I've overcome or things that I thought were so big and impossible to, time. Uh, to accomplish. And now looking back, like, oh my God, that was so easy when I actually did it. So guys, the power of journaling really is essential. Um, challenge yourself, do it. And the last thing I wanted to say to you, and this is something else that I've learned in the last, honestly, probably the last year. I had to understand that creating a ritual or creating a routine is a portion of self-care. It literally is a, a part of taking care of yourself when you put yourself on a schedule, when you have a routine and when you're organized and able to express yourself in an organized way, in a way that I can I can function. I'm not feeling overwhelmed. I'm not confused about how I'm feeling. I've put it out for myself to better understand. So I really love this information. I've, I'm going to do some tweaks to my journaling skills as well. That was an amazing first part conversation with our special guest, Ellen Nestier. Make sure that you're paying attention to when we drop the second half of that conversation, because I know you won't want to miss it. And make sure that you tune into the next episode of the College Corner Podcast.